The Open Nesters is a weekly podcast focusing on couples and individuals who are looking for new beginnings after their kids have left the nest. This week on the Open Nesters podcast with Bill and Jude Thomas. As a geriatrician, the people I saw who suffered the most terribly were ones who just believed their life had to be a certain way. And circumstances intervened, and their life was not like that. And they, they had terrible suffering. And I'm, I'm hoping if I cultivate readiness, I may be spared some of Well, Amir, before we hear from Bill and Jude Thomas, I wanted to say that this is such an important, exciting time for us. And, you know, we're all living in interesting times to learn from, to shed beliefs, to learn new ways of connecting in meaningful ways exploring all aspects of life as we enter season two of the Open Testers podcast. Uh, During season one, we really met incredible human beings, open nesters and experts who are embracing life in such an openness. And it has a really an incredible journey for us all this season, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, we learn from newly sober, newly dancing, new music makers, triathletes. We discuss loss and grief and pain and the messiness of life. And we're going to be discussing so much more of that from the space of an open heart and understanding of ageism and becoming modern elders. And we'll be adding the idea of how adult kids, who we hope to interview this year, are feeling about watching their parents as open nesters. Yeah, and we got a great lineup for season two. And our podcast will range from grounded living to living on the edge of adventure, reinvention, spirituality, sexuality, and of course, relationships that are rich and full of life. And Bill and Jude are a great example of rich relationship. So let's hear it from Dr. Bill and Jude Thomas. So welcome to the Open Nesters podcast, Dr. Bill Thomas and Jude Thomas. This is such an honor for me because I've been following your work for years with the Eden Alternative and and all the all the amazing spaces that you've created around the um, the greenhouse project as well, and your book, which is very cool, The Tribes of Eden. So I and and the crony work. Our last name is Crone. So as you know, that's all inter- interesting. So Bill is he's a geriatric doctor to begin with, and an expert in the international field on elder care. Uh, we I'm a co-founder with her. You're the was- co-founder with her. So you're the one behind her. We were just talking about the man and the woman behind one another and next to one another in especially this stage. And. Yeah. I am very happy to have you with us. Welcome. Glad, glad to be with nice you. Nice to be with you. So get us up to date with where you are right now. Like what's bubbling for you in your lives as your last child just left the nest, kind of personally and professionally, each of you, if you could kind of give us a, a quick update on where you are now. I, I'll start by saying I've been very uh happy and excited to start uh, painting, which is something I had never done before. Probably um, eight or 10 years ago, I started dabbling in it. And since we have been living on our own independently now, I've had a little bit more time to really get into painting. We had a few shows and uh, I don't know that you're ever completely untethered from your kids. So we still have 
you know, some of that along along with it too, but not living here in the house. So it gives a lot more time. That's why we call it an open nester because it's uh, the, 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 the nest is open for the kids to come in back and forth. Yes. We also do um, a lot of cooking together, which has been uh, fun and different for us, you know, for when we were married, we had two children from a previous marriage with Bill. And so we have had children always in our home. And jumping to, so Bill, go ahead for where you think, where you uh, are uh, in your in your heart and soul uh, right now. Actually, uh, I actually have found, she's been writing, or she's been painting and I've been writing. I Over the past uh, 16 months or so, I did four new books. So that, uh, you can imagine there was a lot of quiet in our open nest uh, with her painting and me writing. I've, I make a little tick, tick noise and she makes little ch- ch- noises. <laughs> but, um, basically, uh, I've been writing very intensively for the past almost year and a half. So. So that's what that's what's sparking you right now. And as elders, which I love how you how you define that kind of when I. When I looked again at the at the Eden alternative and this someone who is by virtue of their life experience is kind of here to teach. And, and so I, I do want to jump into some of that. And and even on your own on your own personal lives, how you've been impacted by that, like how how we how you were taught, maybe, and then how you are becoming teachers in your own lives first and then maybe in what you're doing in the world, which has has already been a lot had made a lot of impact. Well, without a doubt, I can say that I, in part, in a great part, have um, learned to be an elder through our two daughters, um, Haley and Hannah, who were born with profound um, different abilities. And we actually call them wise elders, as we don't believe that um, elderhood is defined by age. So um, they they taught us every day. They taught us about the Eden alternative. They taught us about the quality of life and the quality of care. And I'm still, we lost our Hannah uh, five years ago when she was 18. We still have Haley. And I still learn from her every day. And she's probably the wisest elder I know. And so I'm proud to say that I tried to pass along all the things I've learned from my girls and all the amazing people we've worked with um, through the years with the Eden Alternative and the Greenhouse Project. But they're our primary teachers, my primary teachers, for sure. Yeah, I agree with Jude that, in essence, Haley and Hannah came into our lives as elders. Uh, their life experience is very different than the life experience of most children. They, they lived with uh, a lot of medical complexity and a universe that was really bounded by kind of the family and direct experience. So we learned from them about how precious and valuable time is, you know, because we never knew how long they were going to get to be with us. So we had to focus on each day with them. And now we are entering into our elderhood and we're hopefully having gotten an advanced course from Haley and Hannah, hopefully we'll take some of those lessons to heart in our own elderhood. Thank you for sharing that from your heart as Hannah and the loss of Hannah, as well as Haley's life and both of their lives have been teachers to you. So obviously teachers for us and as you become teaching in this, I've been teaching in this field of aging and elderly elderhood 
in unusual ways from so many places of learning. And I know that you've done a lot of work in creativity in the aging field, even though it has its dark shadows. And yet I wonder if you can address the creativity in play as well. For better and worse, uh, both better and worse. Uh, Jude and I have chosen a path that did not align with I, what I would call conventional, uh, the conventional narrative for a, a doctor or an artist. You know, we, we chose a, our own path. And, you know, in some ways that was very exciting. And like you, you mentioned, you know, for a while I was a touring theater performer. You, I guess you saw the show in Hartford and, you know, we went to 130 cities and did hundreds of shows. And, um, and I, I guess what I want to say is playfulness, if you're hitting on it, that um, the parenting rule is often highly stylized. Uh, and when that enters a new phase, the parenting rule, there's more room for playfulness in how you approach life because uh, you have fewer stylized obligations and you can do more crazy fun stuff. That's kind of, what do you think? I, you know, I, I feel like this is when I've just begun to play. Yeah. You know, I had parents who were much older uh, than, than uh, my mother had me at 45. So I never knew my parents as young, playful people, believe me. And then my mom passed when I was only 21. And then I took on the role of caregiver for my dad for two and a half years um, before he passed. So um, then I got married and had uh, two children instantly. Then we had two children with profound complications and then um, had another. So I, you know, although having children is amazing and wonderful and I don't regret a second of any of it. Um, I am just starting to play now. So, you know, yeah, there's, you know, the knees don't work so well. And, um, but, you know, well, she does to, have a titanium knee. So I that's I kind, of, kind of awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Bionic. You know, I, I have learned how to say no to things that I never used to be able to say no to um, and make choices that I never used to. I didn't feel like I could make. And um, so for me, this is the time of play. Um, and the other things, the negative things are just kind of on the sidelines. So, so this playful stage and Bill, yours, I mean, what do you, what we, we will ask at the end, I'd like people to look forward to what you're looking forward to playing the most with, or what, what brings you most alive. And yet I do feel like people should know about your, your incredible work and project that's in the world if they don't. So this idea of how we revere and care and how we are care partners and, and how we can do that in our lives, because the Eden Alternative is really all about that kind of training all over the world. You have so many countries that are involved in this and so many care mentors that are Eden mentors, I think you call them. And I just think that this project is phenomenal for us to understand more deeply. If you'd like to really talk about that, please. It's a pleasure actually to attempt to summarize 30 years of work in a Brief snip. 30 years. Yeah. So for 30 years, Jude and I have been, in essence, exploring a question. That is, 
what if aging is not primarily about decline, but is primarily about growth? What if? So if you start with this Eden Alternative that you mentioned, which is a global nonprofit that Jude and I founded, uh, we're no longer on the board, we're happy founders, hey. But <laughs> if you look at that work, we initially took a look at nursing homes in America and said, wow, these are institutions that manage the decline of older people. And hold on a minute. What if instead of managing the decline of older people, they became gardens that grow people? So this name, Eden Alternative, is really just a callback to a garden, a place where the intention is growth. So what, do you, what, what happens when you change your lens and you start to look at a community where elders are living and where people are working and you say, how do we help these people grow? And that turns out, honestly, to unlock all these possibilities that do not exist if you conceive of an environment exclusively in terms of decline. And then, you know, going on, uh, our, we were able to, you know, found the nonprofit and then scale it nationally and then scale it globally and then, you know, um, move on to our next challenge. But that's really the essential question, actually, for everybody. It's not just about nursing homes. It's about everybody. What if what lies ahead is really about your growth and not mainly about decline? But the decline actually deal with physical uh, health and the growth deal with more slightly mental and, and brain and, and more aspiration type of a thing. So, so how is that really uh, can be opposite of each other? Yeah. And different people have different experiences. So uh, some people experience it one way, others experience it another way. Um, and I'll just say something as uh, two people born as males, I'm just make a comment. Uh, since you and I were in our late 20s, our total skeletal muscle mass has been declining about 1% a year. And you could be like, oh, no, my muscle mass is declining. But actually, you, it sets you up to live in a way that's different than how you lived in your 20s. And um, I would say that, you know, this decline in muscle mass helps ensure that people our age don't start fights in bars. <laughs> You're safe from that. Yeah, the, the fragility. Yeah, so in fact, <laughs> while you no longer get to be in bar fights, it allows you to have other kinds of experiences that 20-year-olds cannot access. Looking for a new way to vacation? Learn about the Home Exchange Travel Community from a longtime member on episode 36 of our Open Nesters podcast. Home Exchange is all about swapping homes with other people to enjoy free accommodations while you travel. After our interview with David from the Home Exchange Company and one of their longtime members, Carolyn, we signed up. What better time of life than now as Open Nesters when we have more time, sometimes less money, but we want to live more fully. It will save us thousands of dollars on our vacation costs. 
I'm hoping to exchange our home with a home somewhere warm for my 60th birthday this January, and I'm excited to try this out and then let our listeners know how it goes. If you're looking for a new way to travel with over 450,000 homes to exchange, Home Exchange might just be for you. And if you use our promo code by the end of February 2022, you'll get 10% off the annual fee. Open Nesters, all caps, Open Nesters with two N's, 10. Open Nesters, 10. Well, I would also say from a woman's point of view, and that's the crone, which the crone archetype, if some of you don't know, is the is the maiden, the mother and the crone. And the crone archetype is really about finding a new beauty in our age. And so many women have so much resistance to how they feel about this that, Jude, I'd love you to speak to how you're becoming a crone and feeling and embracing that, because I think that's such an important thing for all of us to hear as an example of the feminine archetype that can help the masculine in this world today too. It's not just about being female. So I'd love to hear about that. Yeah. I, I I think it's all always about balance. And um, of course I'm always struggling to find that balance, but um, as I mentioned, I think becoming a crone has been uh, wonderful for me on uh, several levels. One, like I said, being able to stand up and make decisions on my own without thinking about everybody else first. Uh, that may sound uh, selfish, but that's how I always saw it as I was younger. It was always about doing for other people. And I'm really beginning to embrace the fact that if you don't learn to love and take care of yourself, then you can't spread that to others as well. Um, and doing things that um, I never had the time to do. Um, I, I am always promoting as I talk to younger people who talk about, you know, aging and, oh, I've got the big 5-0 coming up. You know, they, they always look at that as such a negative um, a negative thing, but it's really, I always try to explain to them all, all the beautiful things that are coming as they get to that point. And, you know, it's interesting. A lot of people really do. I think nobody just ever presented it to them that way. You know, it's like with the Eden Alternative, when we started talking about what we were doing, none of that was rocket science, but people just needed someone to point that out and to just show them the things that were that were just logical. You know, we all grew up wanting to take care of something, whether it be plants or children or animals or our home and not be put into a place where we're only taken care of instead of being given the opportunity um, to reciprocate. So all of those things are just things that come to you as you learn. Um, I don't know how you can impart all of those things to my younger kids. uh, Just going to have to live it. But I love being a crone. And I love being married to a crown. It's. <laughs> you know. well, I'm glad. I'm glad. As you know, we came to you through my sister's also crone. My name, I literally have our last name crone. So we're just learning about this stuff. So this is all good. And, and also the, 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 the coming from their own, our own wisdom of, as you even teach in, in this kind of the basics of anti-ageism, which really this is that we're not going against age. We're going with age. And how are all those caretakers working? And the only way to work with people, even if they're our parents, caretakers or our own eventually, kind of as care partners, 
And I love that you had talked about that is alleviating loneliness, helplessness, and boredom. And first we have to do that for ourselves. So I think that's kind of the connection to doing that for ourselves at this stage of life. So we play a lot, as you could see from our room here with, <laughs> with music and with drums. And we have a whole dancing place out there because that's what we love with music. And if we're finding the things that we love the most, then we become, then we can take care of our own loneliness and helplessness and boredom. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I'm sorry. I, I have a um, friend who uh, in one of his books, he wrote uh, the purpose of life is living a life of purpose. And what I hear you describing is deliberate intentionality. And I think that's, something that marks this phase of life. I, I used to, I used to say to people, you know, you're approaching elderhood when you start to think more about what you want to do than what you have to do. So there's a season Jude described it. And there's a season where you're, you're the biggest part of your brain is devoted to things you have to do. Uh, nothing wrong with that. It's great. Like, yay. Uh, but then something in the brain starts to tickle and go, well, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have to do this. I have to do that. But next thing you know, you have like a dancing studio in your house. Okay. <laughs> you're like, exactly. Actually, we didn't have this. People would, would be so uh, you know, upset to hear this, but our kids, we were so active with them in our big house upstairs. This is our basement that we never created a playroom for them downstairs. Instead, we created a playroom for ourselves. <laughs> so that's what we did. Everybody needs a playroom, I think. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So so what are the what are the things that keep you guys most playful and active personally music. at this stage? Well, art and we're writing. Big music fans. In fact, um, I played mandolin, guitar. We've done a couple CDs, you know, just kind of fun. Uh, just fun. They're, they're not out in any music store, believe me, but <laughs> we had a lot of fun doing it. Um, uh, you know, we have, we still play vinyl. We love our turntable. We still dance. We're deadheads. And uh, we watch the Hartford uh, show from 77. <laughs> and you might know it, the May 28, 77 Hartford show yeah. is, a, is a classic. I don't think I know. Uh, Which one? The dead, Grateful Dead, because that's yeah. dead. no, no, oh, we you got to look it up. It's a great, <laughs> great show. But but you know, to get back to what Jude's saying about uh, uh, I'm going to let you in on Jude's alter ego uh, being announced okay. here for the first time. So Jude's alter ego is Jama Mood. <laughs> uh, it's it's a kind of a flip on Mama Jude, which the kids friends used to call her. Uh, Jama Mood is a DJ. And, and <laughs> at night, uh, you know, we just have our little music system and she will DJ an evening of music. And I'm like, oh, my God, Jamal Mood, that's so good. Well, that's because <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I remember listening to the radio back in the day, you know, you'd climb into bed or you'd sit around with friends and you'd listen to the radio. And lots of times it was the after midnight radio show. Oh, yeah. you'd hear something. <laughs> he's a late night dj of after midnight radio this is great i love this connection. It's just certain songs that just belong at 2 30 a.m that's all there is to it so we and a, and a certain voice absolutely yeah yes. yeah that's right we we have this un, 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 unrealized ambition of setting up a pirate 
FM radio station <laughs> and only only turning it on when we feel like it, you know, like <laughs> yeah. no obligation. <laughs> <laughs> like, OK, we're broadcasting live. Uh, <laughs> Amir likes to ask and to broadcast live, too. And he likes to ask people in the middle of the night. What keeps what is it? What yeah. I mean, my favorite show will be uh, from somewhere between 1 a.m. to 4 a.m. And I would ask people, what are you doing up at this hour? Perfect. Tell me, are you are you uh, looking uh, to your job interview tomorrow? You have a hot date. You have a medical examination. What is it? Call me. Oh, oh talk my to God. Me. <laughs> and, and that's 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 my show. I, I, th- that's know? a piece of our culture that kind of slipped through our grasp, which is the, a human being behind a microphone. With that, you have that beautiful radio intonation, beautiful. Yes, um, it is. But, uh, you know, talking to us and then soothing us with the music we need to hear. We love to listen to, to Swiss jazz radio and they talk to you, but it's usually in a language we don't understand. Yeah. So. so I also do dance in my body through music that has nothing to do with the words. And so even going to ecstatic dance and I teach a lot of when women um and, and I'm, st- I'm really expanding that kind of repertoire to do more embodiment work. And at our age, that's one of the most important pieces to feel and accept and to move with where we are. And when you do that with, with a certain sound, even if you don't understand it a certain way, then there's an opening. So understanding that embodiment and somatic opening just by accepting this aging and accepting the potential ecstasy in the music. So ecstatic dance is one of my favorites. No, I, I love the root of the word uh, ecstasy. It's ecstasis or outside of the usual and customary. And it says joy exists outside of the usual and customary. Mm-hmm. So when you say ecstatic dancing, you're, you're describing a door that opens into uh, an experience, ecstatic experience, an experience of joy that does not exist in the in the realm of the normal. Thank you for that definition. But- I love that. If you like this episode, you'll also love other episodes on our website under the Listen tab. Scroll down to our Aging, Health, and Grief category. But uh, I have a question. Do you think that the state of mind that you are, have arrived right now, is it because you are an open nester that now have time on your hands and you can write and paint? Or is it part of your continuous exploration and growth into the, uh, your, your life? I, I don't think it's either or. I think it's both. Yes. It's I both. mean, you, you arrived to this spot with so many things that you've accumulated and learned and all the wisdom that we've gleaned. And without that, I don't know that we could be where we are now. I think it's not exclusive of each other. Yeah, I would kind of agree with Jude. And I just do a thought experiment in the United States right now. There are a large number of grandparents raising grandchildren uh, because of family tragedies of different kinds and so on and so forth. And I have to say, if Jude and I found ourselves raising grandchildren and going to parent teachers conferences and, you know, soccer on Saturday or whatever, it it would alter the experience we're having. So we are because of our family circumstances, 
and being open nesters, we are immersed in time in a way we had not been previously. And we wouldn't be if we had three little kids running around the house. Yeah. I mean, that would be more focused on what we have to do. Yeah. And I think we have a, a little bit of a blend because Haley is still with yeah, us. True. And at 27, she has 24 hour nursing um, in her home, but we are there three or four times a week. I speak to her on the phone every day. I read to her every day on the phone. She is in some ways a perpetual mm-hmm. infant in some ways, although we choose to ha- let her have a life as an adult. So she has her own apartment. Um, she does things in the community. She gets involved. But so we're not involved in the day-to-day raising of grandchildren, but we will always have a child in our lives um, as long as Haley is with us. Well, you, you really embody, I would say, what I was asking earlier, the the acceptance of the of the of the sadness along with this amazing playful spirit of exploration because it is and you know too many of us spend our time thinking but this is the situation or i have to do this and all of that comes from really a limit limited st- scarcity rather than mm. abundance yeah. and and i'm really inspired because i think you're you the way you're discussing this is is the actual embodiment of that of the of this or of this larger way to live but but to look into the general population that now are open nesters they need to have the time they need to have uh, the lack of responsibility of little kids running around but they don't really need the benefit of your life project that you have gone through and does give you this the, a specific state of mind to arrive where you are but for most open nesters, they just needed the time to expend uh, their hobbies, their travel, their careers, uh, their relationship, whatever that is. So I just want to make that statement uh, that you enjoy the benefit of also a life project in that uh, that is uh, converged with your ability to have the time. The two of you are serving such a great purpose because just as I said, with Eden Alternative, um, nothing was rocket science. They just needed someone to open their eyes and you're opening people's eyes to the fact that you don't just retire and then just find it all about decline. You know, there's just so much more available. And, and I, I think we're, we're lucky that we're living in a society that's moving a little bit away from what my parents thought of. You know, you work and work and work and work, and then you retire, and then you sit in a chair and watch television. And wait to die. Wait to die. And, and also this idea of, of robbing us of our youth and that, Elderhood is, 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 is it, it actually is setting youth aside. It's accepting it with the way I think we're all conveying that, kind of honoring that and letting it honor us, as I've read in some of your material. And I love that. And I would even I'd even click it up a notch to embracing it. So there, there's the denial, there's resistance, there's acceptance, and then there's embracing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that I mean, that's the whole journey is difficult. But the embracing part is especially difficult because the yardsticks we've been given tell us that we're being diminished. And yet our experience says that's not true. But you, it's hard to take hold of that embracing who I'm on my way to becoming uh, when the cultural overhang is so powerful. Right. I mean, you know, we looked at the open nesting stage. Act three, whatever that is, as a new beginning, and that's embracing yeah. it. If you w- enter that stage of your life, saying, "Great, 
kids are out of the house. Now I have my own time. I can have sex in the kitchen if I want to, or I can paint, or I can write, or I can do whatever I want. But it's a new beginning. And uh, more and more uh, interviews, we feel that the Open Nesting podcast is really providing that. It's a, it's a kind of a hopeful type of a, a message that we're trying to convey. Yeah. I, speaking of the hopeful, I just also want to mention that um, although we spent um, a lot of our years working um, with Eden Alternative and um, working with people who live and work in nursing homes, uh, we also are realizing, just as you're saying, that we really need to start focusing on this anti-ageism thing and look at things long before we get to the point of being in a nursing home. So, you know, although we're really proud of what Eden has done, we really are working now on saying, how do you create a life worth living once you have finished raising the kids and you want to continue living a um, really wonderful life in community? Too often people don't have the choice. The kids move away, you fall and break your hip or whatever, and then your choice is, I can't take care of this gigantic house anymore. I can't manage the stairs. Therefore, I go into a nursing home. Our whole point now is to encourage people to look at the fact that there's way more choices available and to help those choices um, be made uh, more available to people. Right yeah. now, it's not so much. but Not either or, it's and. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Well, that's the idea of, I think, when we have that curiosity and and and, and generosity of, of how we can also give, I mean, sometimes I also we need to give as we do in these other earlier stages in order to receive. And yet that's a currency. And so that connectedness of, of this next stage of life comes from our self-compassion and our courage and the way that we can become more curious. I mean, we don't dry our, our brains and our excitement does not go away, not sexually, not mentally, not physically. I mean, physically, we can be slowing down and slow is good. It's like, I want to slow down. I'm so fast. I talk fast. I'm so excited to slow down. Like, how do we look at these ideas? And as I like to say, dance with them. So it's the end. And, and you know, thank you for being so clear about all this. And so is there anything, what are you looking forward to? Anything that you'd like to kind of wrap up with that you'd like to leave as a message to people? Or, or would you like to be contacted directly for any reason and how people can find you if you'd like to share that? Only one thing that I haven't said that I love about um, this part of my life that I didn't have when I was younger and that is that we have such an amazing um, group of friends of all ages. So um, my son, Caleb, our youngest, 22 years old, his friends love coming and hanging out with us as much as my friends who are in their 80s and 90s. And I didn't have that when I was in my 30s. All of my friends were just about you just thought you had to hang out with people who were your own age. I love that it has opened a door for me to be friends, engage with people of all ages and all abilities that came with my cronehood. And I'm really proud of that. And they Yahoo! Wow. Love that. <laughs> yes. I'll tell a quick little story just about Jude. So one of the things we do is we uh, have a, a small accessory dwelling unit near our house, which Jude runs as an Airbnb. And we live in the Finger Lakes of New York. So it's a beautiful spot and so on. And a couple of months ago, these two young women uh, came 
to stay, like, you know, people in the Airbnb. And Jude kind of struck up a conversation with them and invited them over to sit with her and some uh, other crones around a fire. Uh, And I wasn't there, but uh, Jude was telling me about how they were like, wow, you know, like, what does love really mean? You know, what's a happy marriage, you know, asking these crones these questions around a fire at night. And I thought to myself when I heard Jude tell a story, well, that's been going on for a few thousand years. (laughs) Yeah, storytelling around the fire and you're doing it. I love that. (laughs) Just love it. So I, I, you know, and to kind of build on Jude's comment that um, the only thing Thing, the only thing I wish for is to be ready for the next phase in my life, whatever that happens to be. All I, all I can really hope for is readiness. And, you know, I'm not complaining about this moment because I think we were kind of ready to be open nesters. Mm-hmm. We, it wasn't imposed on us and it, it wasn't a heartbreak. It was we were ready. But we've got lots more changes ahead of us. And some of them will be very difficult and some of them will be joyful, but I want to be ready. So I think an under. How do you do that? How do, how do you condition yourself to be ready? I think, I think the number one thing is that radically difficult project of letting go of your attachment to a certain vision of it's going to be like this. I know it's going to be like this. It just, loosening the bonds of that so that it can be many different things. We don't know. And I think that the, as a geriatrician, the people I saw who suffered the most terribly were ones who just believed their life had to be a certain way and circumstances intervened and their life was not like that. And they, they had terrible suffering. And I'm, I'm hoping if I cultivate readiness I may be spared some of that and uh, actually given the opportunity to find joy. So, so so beautifully said. Yeah. I mean, do you want to be reached? uh, reached? We have a blog called Changing Aging, C-H-A-N-G-I-N-G-A-G-I-N-G, one word, dot O-R-G. And that, if you want to kind of catch up with what we're thinking about or talking about, I would do that. And I, I would suggest if you're interested in crones and aging and elders and you like uh, you like fiction, um, a book I wrote called Tribes of Eden, which is available on Amazon. Uh, that book, uh, I would say for open nesters, that's a good book to read. So you got to get through the first chapter. The first chapter is really hard. <laughs> so. Yes, my my, uh, my bad bad things happen, and it's really hard. I usually don't like a book that I open up and bad things happen, but it gets really good. Yes, many debates about that in this house. (laughs) Good. I won't go into it. Um, Well, we will definitely put it in the uh, um, in our our program program list. That's it. (laughs) And in our program list with and our resources for changing aging along with all the other things. So this has been much a big, not even, I'm not so surprised because I, I, I was ready for these wonderful people who have done all these wonderful things, but I may you continue to 
change aging and, and be, you know, be, keep, keep becoming as you are. What a real glory fed is. Yes. Yes. Dancing with all these wonderful people. Thank you. Here's a preview from our upcoming episode with Sabrina and Seth. Yeah, and wow. I think some of that reframing is, you know, figuring out what is it that that's real here, that's that's truly important, and what is it that we're kind of arbitrarily putting into things, the expectations that we put in there because, oh, well, we see other people do it, we saw our parents do it, and therefore that's the way relationships are supposed to be. So we throw in these these rules and, and then get disappointed and resentful when other people don't meet them without really understanding what the rules were actually doing to begin with. You know, Tessa, when I think about next week's episode, I realize that this episode and next are both about relationship. This one with Bill and Jude was really about monogamous, beautiful, rich, and full relationship. And next week with Sabrina and Seth is really about mono- uh, non-monogamy. And ethical non-monogamy. And principles of non-possessiveness. So it's very, very interesting to be able to have so many points of view on this podcast. We all have different framings of our inner compass and our inner knowing and what works for us. And there's no right and wrong. The idea is that all are accepted and the ways that we accept things. So I love the way, particularly, Bill and Jude have such a rich way to, in their gratifying partnership, kind of witnessing one another in a way almost that I feel about us, that we help co-create one another, which helps to more fulfillment in our relationship. I happen to agree with you. We have grown just like they did, each of us individually and also as a couple. And that is really the parallel between our relationship to theirs. My biggest takeaway was that the purpose of life is really living purposeful life. And that's something that we do in the moment every day, isn't it? That's right. It's it's, that's right. it's this idea that we are becoming, we are kind of looking at aging as a gift of how that wisdom has informed us to be able to love and appreciate our lives more fully. And aging gracefully. And aging is really not about decline, as I hear it from uh, from Bill. Even if we do have limitations or we have to slow down, the idea that we can look at it with a, with a different point of view of that slowness being a teacher to us and others. That's hard to do, especially for me. It's hard for me to slow down and be a teacher. Like his two daughters, the, they consider them to be elders. They learn from their daughters so much, like we learn from our children. All the time. All the time. We're learning all the time. And that's what I think keeps us vital, regardless of whether we call it young or old, let's just stay vital as long as we can. Yeah, in this type of environment, we have to stay vital, we have to stay focused, and we have to stay optimistic, of course. This is a very, very strange era of our times that's going to go down to history like anything else. If you like this episode, we directed you to some other tabs on our website. The website is The Open Nesters, The Open Nesters, double N in the middle, and S at the end. And we have a Facebook page, don't we, Tessa? We do. It's a closed, private Facebook page. We would love your input, insight there, and you just have a free discussion about what it feels like to you to be an open nester. And on our website, please, you can make comments, you can suggest other speakers or even yourself, and let us know what you think. We love to hear from you. 
We would. And I on my Tessa tab on the page that you could find about me, I'm going to be developing a lot around spirituality and sexuality. And I'm excited to get out there, whether it's going to be online. I'm going to learn how to do that in the community or in person where I'll be traveling a bit this year. Stay tuned for updates from all of our social media, Instagram, Facebook pages. As we start this uh, new year, new season, we have to cultivate readiness. And what does that mean? As Bill said, be ready for whatever comes next. Maybe you'll be able to handle it a little bit better. Letting go of the attachment of what it's supposed to be and what it's going to be. Not accepting. Not Not expecting and just accepting. Exactly. So for all of us, for this year, I hope that we're all going to be ready for whatever comes next. Until next time. Yeah. (laughs) Until next time, this is Amir. And this is Tessa. And we will meet again in the next episode. Ciao. You have been listening to the Open Nesters podcast, a production of Kiwi Publishing and Media. Executive producer, Tessa Crone. Music by Yoni Avi Patat. Audio engineering by Lucid Sound. Web design and blogs, PJ Ewing. This podcast is available on all podcast platforms. To learn more about each episode and guest, please visit us at theopennesters.com.